Hey everybody, it's been a while. <laughs> I've been offline for about two years now. I think a year ago I released something just to tell you, hey, I'm still here, so you don't need to go anywhere. And if you still have your phone that you had two years ago and my podcast on it, um, thank you for your loyalty. <laughs> um, I have had a project that I have been working on for four years now. Uh, I began this project one day while I was standing in my classroom and I was giving the big state test, uh, the star test in Texas. So there I am, we're on like lockdown mode because if you're a teacher and you've given the big state test, you know what this is like. You are basically threatened within an inch of your life of doing anything that remotely looks like you're not watching the kids. So I'm standing there and I've got a little podium in front and I have some papers up on it and you can't tell what I'm doing. And I'm just, these are the times for me when I'm supposed to walk in circles, basically staring at the kids for four hours, but I can't really say anything to them. I mean, it's it's our own form of prison. And so I'm walking in circles around the room in between the aisles for four hours. I'm going crazy and I've got these thoughts that are in my head. And I'm looking out that day over my kids and I'm just immensely sad. It is like the culmination of so many different things in my life coming together in that one moment from my own story. And I'm looking at thinking about how messed up and upside down this whole scenario is, where I'm staring at these kids who the last thing they need for their development is to be forced to go through a test that's not even really for them. And so I start to write. And I can't type on my computer that day. Um, so in order to keep my job intact, I just get out a pen and a piece of paper and I start scribbling notes all over it. And I remember writing there what would be the first sentence of the book and really the first chapter. I think I wrote like the whole first chapter that day. And so I was doing that and I was like covering it up whenever the, the, the people would come in our, our room or whatever. But... Um, yeah, this is the project that I've been working on. I noticed in my life that there were some things that I was able to see from the vantage point that I've been given in life that it seemed like no one else around me was seeing. And so one thing that I've been exposed to is I've got two foster adoptive kids that um, we've adopted through foster care. And I've gone through a lot of research and study on attachment. And another thing I've been exposed to quite a bit is addictions. And then I have a background in theology. And so I started to see some of these things coming together and then just looking at the big story of the world. And so this is my attempt at the big story of the world. So I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning and go through the history of the world. And I'm going to do it in a way that I hope can keep your attention. So I have been whiteboarding it up. Uh, I've been reading literature. I've been going through studies. And of course, I'm studying right now to be a, a licensed professional counselor. So I've been working through all of that and given this whatever time I can give it in my in my spare time, but it's been quite a bit and it's just like um, 
it's so difficult for me to get my mind around all of this and present it in a way that uh, you can you can get and understand and it will actually be like engaging and so it's been a little bit like it's it's been the hardest thing in my life for sure it's been a little bit like pushing out a 23 pound baby i've just been pregnant with all of these ideas and so i'm going to start publishing it um, i'm going to start here today i'm going to read you the introduction to it and then i'm going to go after that i'm going to release uh, a section every day i'm going or every excuse me i'm i'm going to release a section on my blog and on the podcast um, about one day a week and i'm just going to put out the next little section there so the chapters are like a page or two they're extremely short so i'll just do a few chapters in a day now the written section is it's what's taken me so long is because i am not as you'll see by my ridiculous drawings i am not a comic uh i do not wait a second I do not, I'm not an artist, I just said a comic. I don't draw comics, okay? But there is a, which is obvious now because I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> um, so there, it's basically going to read like a comic book. So if you're more interested in doing that, then you can see that as it'll be released uh, right alongside the podcast version, the audio version. It's going to be released on my blog, and then eventually uh, toward the end, I'm just going to release the whole thing in a book that you can order uh, on Amazon, and I'll just put out the book online for free. So this is um, this is what I've been working on, and here it goes. I'm going to start right at the beginning. I am standing in my fourth grade classroom watching 17 tweens sit in silence, scratching graphite bubbles on an answer sheet, careful to make their marks dark and neat. A student from the Congo silently struggles to translate the English. One girl squirms in her desk, trying to rid her mind of her fighting parents and her brother, who left for the Marines this week. A boy quells the gamut of emotions welling up within him. It's his birthday, and for the first time in his 10 years, mom won't be there. She left because she couldn't take care of him anymore. One girl needs to pass this test in hopes of breaking the cycle of alcoholism and gambling addictions that have hijacked her family, and she knows it. Another boy wonders if his mom will beat him again because he failed yet another big test. Still, one other writes with scars covering both arms because of the abuse of her older brothers. I reported it to Child Protective Services, but they did nothing. They are as overwhelmed as I am. I teach in a school of society's leftovers, scraps tossed aside and left to rot while the powerful in the world get on with their life. These are my kids. And I'm despondent as I grapple with the gap between what they have and what they will need for the life ahead. An iPhone could easily do this math. But the state needs results from them, numbers on a spreadsheet to appease the demands of a system that has abandoned them and reduced them to conformity. Their future bosses and landlords are 10 miles north of here, up by the lake in their flex-seated digital classrooms doing Lego robotics. But here, we grind. 
in a grid of desks, always demanding an inch or an ounce more than these kids can give day after day. Our own jobs depend on it because the system which owns us needs them. My family has to eat and so does my principals. Her job depends on us and on up the chain. Education is now a government-subsidized training for the corporate world, a world that needs these 17 kids to scratch the correct bubble combinations and has slowly suffocated any other possibility. There are no other choices. Be a good little boy and mark the answer you're supposed to so you can make a lot of money one day, we say, carrot dangling. The accountability economy is desperate for the correct combination of bubbles so their future employers won't be sued. Wrong combination? Access denied. Keep trying, little one. Work will set you free. We have evolved to be clever to disguise learning as fun, but every teacher knows the reality of the bubbles and works day and night to to strategically maximize correct answers with minimal damage to our kids. But despite their best efforts, they can't hide the game. Robots are looking a lot more like humans, and these 17 humans are looking like tired, tattered robots. Even though we all know better, we can't seem to not keep recreating the same hauntingly familiar scenarios. Our bait mocked fray. One more grade, just a little bit higher. Another rung, climb little one, now college, then grad school. Good boy, study harder, higher scores for that fellowship, a little more work. Those quotas keep going, your retirement account is almost there. One day, little one, one day, work will set you free. This room is eerily void of the free, confident, Brave homo sapiens, they have been suffocated. Where grows organic life, creativity, gratitude, and adventure? It is not here, not today. I question whether it will grow in any container where graphite letter combinations are the highest good. Our gut knows this isn't the path to human thriving. James Cameron never made a blockbuster mega hit about students sitting in desks bubbling correct dancers or about white guys getting promoted to a bigger cubicle. Something is off. Innovation and greatness are not cultured in the confines of conformity. They are bred and birthed in open space and opportunity. Something is missing. Risk defines every great human story, and yet my classroom, your workplace, and my child's playground are all carefully engineered to mitigate as much of it as possible. Something is wrong even when the bubbles are right. Educators know this. Parents know this. Voters know this. Mother Nature knows this. I don't just mean something is wrong with schools or something is wrong with families, or something is wrong with politics, or something is wrong with health care or the environment. Something is wrong. I know that the fact that I know phrases like suicide ideations and school-to-prison pipeline confirms it. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Life wasn't. Maybe it had no choice. Maybe it did. Maybe we'll never know. But we can know what is thriving, and we can know what is adventure. We can know what is joy, and we can know what is justice. And it's not here, not today. Our programs are better than ever, but the 17 lonely children in front of me testify of a different story. 
one that has for too long dominated the narrative of the human race. It's a story of more loss than wins, a story of more defeat than victory. It's a story of more inequality and oppression and injustice and loneliness and addiction and disconnection. It's the story of power. But a better story awaits. The next great move of history won't be decided by inevitable fate, but by the narrative we choose to live by. And there remains a nation of people who insist in this story. Another world is possible. Another world is necessary. And another world is already here. It's a new story, but it's ancient, whispering to us through the ages. It's a song quietly sung, bearing life out of lifeless places, and even when drowned out by the noise of our machines, continues still. It's a gentle hum offering life to those brave to hear it. It's a story of pyramids and trees and the death march between for those who dare to be free. It's a story where grace conquers power and peace wins the day. It's the story of justice and freedom and rhythm and life and love for everyone. The greatest stories can't be written in bubbles or binary code. They are born in the wilderness.